Today, we will hear Jesus sharing a parable that addresses a dishonest steward. We will hear Jesus speaking about truth that dishonesty is not between humans, but it's between human beings and God. Because we are called to live in God's economic model, not in the one made by man. Our prayer for illumination. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. I will be reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. He, meaning Jesus, said to his disciples, There was a rich man who had a steward, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. And the steward said to him, himself, What shall I do? Since my master is taking the stewardship away from me, I am no, not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that people may receive me into the houses when I am put out of the stewardship. So summoning his master's debtors, one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest steward for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous men so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal habitations. He who is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. And he who is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much. If then... You have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon. Who will entrust to you 
the true riches. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And this is the word of God for the people of God, and the people say, Amen. As I sat on my dad's back porch this past week working on my sermon, I was reminded of a day that will never leave me. A day I can remember like it happened yesterday. You see, it was my sister Janet and I sitting next to each other looking across at the doctor. You see, a few years ago, before this day, he had warned us her cancer was coming back. It was not a matter of when or if. It was just the time she had left. It was the when. So we sat there, and I can remember before he even opened his mouth, because we'd spoken to each other before we went, we both knew it was back. We knew her cancer was back, and we knew that all that we had left was time. How much time, we didn't know. And all she was worried about was, how much time will I have left with my son? And do you know what she said? What will I do with the time I have left? You see, Jesus speaks to his disciples today about something we need to pay attention to. One day, charges will be brought against each of us of how we loved God and how we've loved God each other. One day, we will have to face the end of our vocation as disciples of Jesus Christ. Today's passage in the Gospel of Luke is a reminder to the old covenant people that as the chosen race, as the chosen group, they had duties that they had to fulfill for being those people chosen. And each disciple will have to give an account of his stewardship when he could no longer be a steward for God. Verse 3 says, What shall I do? It is a call to repentance when heard with the mindset of Christ-likeness. Reminding these people listening of an earlier parable about genuine change. You see, Luke 13, the parable about the fig tree that did not bear fruit, when you read it through the light of this parable today, and you go back and you read verses 8 through 9, you hear the summons of repentance. It reads, 
the gardener responded, Lord, give it one more year and I will dig around it and give it fertilizer. Maybe it will produce fruit next year. If not, then you can cut it down. When you have asked the question, and have you ever asked the question, what shall I do? Where do you go for guidance? Words today that tell us that we have free will and we can make a choice. We can be connected to the choice of cheap discipleship, or we can be connected to the choice of costly discipleship. Connected to loving God and loving his children more than anything. Verse 4 shows us that in Jesus' parable, the steward is aware. He's aware that he lives and operates in a broken system in his culture. And when he finds that his end is near, he takes actions of repentance. He chooses to use the wealth for the sake of the poor and to build relationships rather than using relationships for service or money. One by one, the steward begins building bridges and relationships. He forgives the first man 50% of what he owed in olive oil. He forgives the second man 20% of what he owed in wheat. When I read this passage, I cannot help but see the United Methodist practice of beneficence in the steward's actions. The practice of letting three simple rules guide your thoughts. One, to do good. Two, to do no harm. And three, to follow the ordinances of God. Three simple rules that we can use as ethical guidelines. And how does the master react to the steward's shrewd actions in the passage? He commends him on his use of judgment. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of of light. Those who are not devoted to God will always try to make things go their way. Those who are devoted to God will use money and resources as if it is of no intrinsic value, and they will use it for the benefit of others and not just for themselves. They live for God's will in his world. Paul speaks of this truth in Ephesians. And if you go back to Ephesians 5 and you read it, and you read the 8th verse, it says, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live your life as children of of light. And I tell you, 
four simple words that always tell us that Jesus is about to give us his stance on the parable. Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous men so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal habitations. He who is faithful in very little is faithful also in much, and he who is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much. Jesus urges his followers to use the money to do good for others. He is saying that what we do today matters. We are to build relationships with God and each other by being present and a present help to each other. Jesus is saying that if you are an unjust steward now, you are a man or woman living for your own interest at the expense of the truth. And this brings us to our ethical problem. You see, so often we may ask ourselves, how can I do good? And how can I do something good? The problem with these questions is that we are placing ourselves in the ethical dilemma of deciding for ourselves what we judge to be good or not good. This makes the world and our culture and ourselves the ultimate reality. It makes us believe that by our own judgment of what we say is good, and that the world by our own actions can become what we judge to be good. Instead, we should be asking ourselves, what is the will of God? For it is only in seeking God's will that we find the true reality of our world, the reality that God is the creator, the reconciler, and the redeemer. All things appear in a distorted mirror if they are not seen and recognized by God. Meaning, we should look at things through the lenses of Jesus. All laws and norms become distractions as long as God is not known in faith to be the ultimate reality. When we become unjust stewards, we only live for this life and we forget about our eternal homes. But Jesus knows our hearts. We are called to one vocation in this world, all of us. We are all called to be apprentices to Jesus Christ. Jesus acts as a rhetorical question that he knows the answers for. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will entrust you with the true riches? 
You see, mammon is the biblical term for riches, and mammon in the New Testament can be associated with material wealth or an entity that promises wealth. An unrighteous mammon brings us right back to our call to discipleship. Unfaithful, dishonest, driven by your egos, all things that we could say is cheap discipleship. The greedy pursuit of gain when we take God out of our reality. Or we could say faithful, honest, costly discipleship by being apprentices of Jesus Christ and making Jesus the mediator, the center of your life, and through him making choices. Verse 12 can better be understood as, if you haven't been faithful stewards of God's creation, how can he trust you with eternal life in his heavenly kingdom? Jesus says, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus is teaching about a different economic model. He wants his followers to be shrewd in the currency that matters. This passage is reminding disciples that the focus cannot be on what this world offers. We are to make friends, build bridges, build connections, and relationships that involve a commonality and an equality of all God's people. Not a sense of indebtedness. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. There is a direct link between the grace that we ask for in that prayer and the grace we are willing to show toward others. Is there anything in this life right now that you place above loving God and your neighbor. I warn you, idolatry comes in many forms. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus paid the debt for all people. Our words and actions should be to liberate all people by putting them on the same footing, by building relationships that are more important than wealth or ego. God's grace. Growing in God's grace towards others opens our hearts to accepting God's grace for ourselves. Growing in God's grace is about forgiving and repenting and changing your ways. Letting go and releasing your wills so that you can have the will of God in you.
Jesus is teaching that the kingdom of God operates on a different economic model than you and I are used to. A model about relationship. Relationships with God and each other connected to Jesus' great commandment to love God and love each other. A kingdom about reconciliation, to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever is to be prayed knowing that true riches can only be found in our relationship with God when we choose God's kingdom over earthly powers. When we pledge our allegiance to God's kingdom and reign and when we declare Jesus our king. You see, when that doctor sat us down for that conversation, we both knew that Janet was at the end of her service as an apprentice of Jesus. It was hard to accept, but we found peace. Peace knowing that Jesus had paid the price and that she had lived the call. She had served only one master, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. God, our creator, you paid the price. You sent your son to save your people, our idolatrous minds. Make us believe we can be the good to bring the good into the world. We are creatures who do not understand your economy. Send your spirit to guide us. We need our thoughts and our hearts transformed, and we need Jesus to be our mediator, to live lives of benevolence, to do good, to do no harm, and to follow the ordinances of God. I pray this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.